pale horse. The man who sat on him was dead. And hell followed with him. You're killing me, man. Welcome to this very interesting episode of the Declarations of War podcast. I am not your typical host, Alexia Card. I am, in fact, the co-host, Artemis Albosa, joined by our fantastic guest today, a star-studded cast of Brisk. Say hello. Thanks for having me on, Artemis. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming, Commander A's. Thanks for having me as well. And Setonia. Hello. Also, thanks for inviting me. Everybody's so thankful today. I'm thankful for you guys as well. Today, we're going to start out with our shoutouts, and my shoutout goes to all my bros in Noir. Taking the easy one. Risk? Well, first of all, uh, since we are talking CSM campaigns today, I want to thank all the folks out there who have endorsed me for CSM. Uh, I understand I will have a place on the Imperium ballot, according to Matani, so thank my colleagues in the Imperium for that. I also want to thank uh, Fane Industries, one of our renters and initiative associates, as well as Black Legion, who thanked me and endorsed me by headshotting me the other night, which was which was very fun. Um, and I would also be remiss if I did not remind everybody that this is Memorial Day weekend in the United States. Uh, so while we are enjoying a day off tomorrow and a chance to play Eve a little bit more and barbecue and go to the pool, uh, take a minute to remember all those folks who gave their lives to let us be able to do that. Commander? Uh, a quick shout out to my corporation, Sub-Zero, Alliance, uh, the Bastion over in Delve, and uh, the War Deck Project uh, for kind of keeping the conversation going on uh, redeveloping a mechanic there. Setonia? I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Plus 10 Gaming, which are the guys who are going to be doing the Alliance tournament this year, just for the fun and theory crafting that we've been having. And also uh, a shout out to Streamfleet.org, which is a a group of players that help streamers a lot. Uh, They just recently released their website. Uh, which is pretty cool. And there's like now like some like really cool like directories where you can search for like the, the site, like, uh, the kind of streamer that you want to watch and, and things like that, which is uh, super cool. So I'm pretty excited about that too. Now we'll be digging into the Alliance tournament a little bit more later in the episode, but really quickly for anyone who's a bit unfamiliar with the organizational structure, Suetonia plus 10 gaming, that is the folks who run EVNT almost explicitly, right? Uh, yeah, it is the same like old EVNT guys, but they rebranded to Plus 10 Gaming, I think, earlier in like 2017. Gotcha. All right. Really quick, um, we have a advertisement on Declarations of War. If you'd like to advertise on Declarations of War, send Alexi of Card an in-game mail. But our sponsor today for this episode is Eve Onion. EveOnion.com. We break the news of Eve Online. They have some very interesting stories. I would shout some of them out, but honestly, just going there and browsing the titles, if you don't have much time to actually read through an article, is a lot of fun, so I'm not going to spoil it for you. Go to eveonion.com and just check out the titles. The titles alone will draw you in and give you a good laugh. So we'll leave it there. Breaking news of Eve Online, eveonion.com. 
And let's get into today's show. So we're going to be starting out with some CSM candidate interviews. All of our guests today are CSM candidates. So let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Brisk, tell us a bit about yourself. Talk about your history in EVE, at least to begin with, and then we'll get into your um, campaign. Absolutely. Uh, as, as I note, if you guys have seen my campaign video, uh, I'm not an alliance leader. I'm not a corporate CEO or a famous Twitch streamer or, or any other kind of EVE celebrity. Uh, I'm really just a, a line member. I've been playing the game for, uh, I guess, 12 years now, since 2006. Um, and we're the initiative right now. We're in a NullSec uh, PvP alliance. Uh, my corporation is STK. STK is one of the older corporations in the game. We were founded pre-beta uh, by a group of Australians. Uh, and now we are basically doing everything in every time zone. We've done a lot of, uh, of industrial work as well as PvP. Um, my campaign is generally a little bit different from others because uh, I'm not I'm not anybody famous in Eve. I'm really uh, just a regular player. But in, in real life, I'm a politician, so I tend to do things like we do in politics, and I'm having a good time uh, uh, trying to run a real campaign uh, like I would if I were running for office in the U.S. So it's been it's been very fun. So your corporations from pre-beta, did you start with them back in pre-beta, or when did you start playing Eve? I, I got into EVE through Star Wars Galaxies. Uh, I started playing Star Wars Galaxies also in beta back in 2003, uh, and I served on their equivalent of the CSM uh, back in 2003 to 2005, and I watched as a game that I really loved, that I thought was wonderful, uh, get destroyed by the devs because they didn't <laughs> listen and because they decided to go off and, and try to chase uh World of Warcraft and the other big MMOs uh, by changing a sandbox game into something that it was never meant to be. And that kind of that turned me off from MMOs for a little while, but at the same time, I was still looking for something that was equivalent. And that's what brought me to EVE because it was the only other game that had that kind of sandbox quality, that kind of community that we had in Star Wars uh, that I was missing. Uh, and I've been here ever since off and on for the last 12 years. Nice. So I'm looking here, and first of all, your do you do yourself all of your campaign uh, media? Are you responsible for that, or do you have a team or an individual who helps you with that? Because it is top-of-the-line stuff right here. You've got a website, which I'm browsing right now, which looks fantastic. Your campaign video, when it dropped on Reddit, was just amazing. Like, member of Mercenary Coalition, we've been shooting at you guys for a while now. Oh, yeah. So there's some people don't like you. Some people were happy that you're always there for a fight, and everybody in MC was like, wow, this is freaking awesome. So what's the story behind that? I would be lying if I said it was just me. I've got a great team of people. Um, the, the, the joke, and, and I alluded to it in a campaign video, uh, when my guys found out I was a politician in real life, they started teasing me. I mean, this was two or, th two or three years ago when I started uh, getting in with these guys about running for CSM. And I didn't feel competent to do it at that point. Uh, I was brand new to NullSec about th two or three years ago. So it was one of those things where I just laughed and I said, no, 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 we're not going to do it. But the guys kept the joke going and they made all of this stuff. They created this website. They bought all the domain names, uh, and they had fun, and and they were and they were teasing it uh, out, uh, and did all the graphics and everything. And we were sitting around, and I said, you know, these guys have done so much work. They really want me to do this. I've been playing long enough now that I feel competent to do it. So let's go ahead. And and I said, all right, I'm going to run. And that made the guys' day. So I've got a team. Uh, there's there's some joke. If you look on the staff on my website, some of these folks, it's a joke uh, that they they asked for a job, so I gave them a job. But I, 
some of these guys, Kalkin, who is our CEO on SDK, has been is one of my political guys. He, he and I have been buddies for a long time, uh, and that's been he's been helpful with advice. Soul Dragon Ripsus, Phoenix Bones have been doing a lot of the website stuff. And then for the commercial, that was my real life campaign team, um, folks that had worked on my last uh, race for for local board of supervisors. Uh, we came together and I said, "Hey guys, would you like to do me a favor and let's have a little fun with it?" And they said, "Okay." So we put all that together and did all the shots and everything. So it was really just uh, a lot of friends and and people who wanted to have a good time working together to to make something fun. <laughs> Well, that's an awesome story. Whoever picked out the URL briskforcsm.win deserves a campaign bonus if you actually win, because that is fantastic. That is uh, that was Seema. He is our human resources director in SDK, and, and he's uh, he's a pretty funny guy. All right. Well, let's jump right into it. You've got it laid out on your website. What is your what is your campaign? What is your running list of things? Which, if you get elected to the CSM, this is sort of what you want to do, or what's the what do you hope to bring to the CSM? Well, I think what I'm gonna, I want to bring to the CSM is a mature viewpoint uh, from someone who has spent the last 20 years in Washington uh, basically representing a constituency uh, to a government. And that's the, really the equivalent of what I see this role of the CSM being. And so, Tony, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, at the end of the day, the CSM members are designed to represent the players to CCP and provide them with feedback and liaise with them uh, based on their experiences, but also on you know their, their understanding and knowledge of the game as well as the player base. And that's what I do for a living. Uh, I, I'm the legislative director for uh, a maritime union in Washington. I've been doing this for, for about 20 years. My, my job is to work with the government when they are trying to change things or, or make changes or develop regulations or rules that would impact my industry. Uh, and I and that's what I do. And I go back and I solicit feedback and I find information and I provide them with with the information that they need to be able to do their jobs and vice versa. And and that's what I do. So having that perspective, I think, and then coming into it as as a line member and not as someone who is, uh, I would say, a senior person in a group or or has some other you know uh, background of of significant responsibility. Just being an average player, I think that 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 has value. Uh, I don't. I don't think that, at least in Nullsec, you see many, very many average players that can that can make a break into the CSM. Uh, folks, Suetonia is an issue expert. Commando A's has been running forever. He knows everybody. Um, a lot of the other folks on on CSM and who are running this time around have a lot different background from me, and I'm I'm kind of honored to even be considered in their in their in their caliber. Um, but I do think that my perspective, being a line member and being somebody that, that logs in, plays a game every day, and just has fun, uh, I think that that will be useful. Uh, but on, if you look on my for, on my website, I've got a three-point plan. A lot of this stuff is things that has been talked about for a while. And I fully recognize that, given the fact that CCP has their own game plan, they have their own development roadmap, and I think we'll have an opportunity to influence that in a way that maybe we might not have had in the past with uh, CCP Seagull leaving uh, and, and the potential of having a new executive producer. Uh, but in the event, in the, in the end anyway, CCP knows where they want to take the game and they, they are going to do that. So at best, we can provide ideas of things that we would like to see addressed. And if you look, a lot of the things that I'm focusing on are, 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 are stuff we've talked about, at least in NullSec for a while, providing you know op better opportunities for content creation, uh, ensuring that the systems that we have make sense, that they're balanced, uh, and that they're fun and that we maintain and keep recruiting new players and also 
keeping them playing the game. That's where I brought up ideas like changes to war decks, and I know Commander Ace has talked a lot about that as well. Um, so I think a lot of these issues are, are pretty bread and butter issues that if you ask anybody in null sec or you ask anybody in anywhere in the game, wormholes, low sec or high sec, they're going to say, yeah, these are these are legit issues. Uh, so I'm hoping that by demonstrating to the player base that I can that that given my background as well as the fact that I've been playing the game every day, that I do have the understanding to be able to do the job well, I'll be a credible candidate, and hopefully I can earn their vote. All right. That is a very well put together plan there. Um, I, as <laughs> I said, this is not something that came out of my head, you know, uh, automatically. This is this is the the production of a number of folks working together and talking. I've tried to make everything on this campaign crowdsourced. It's not me just throwing stuff down on paper. Uh, I want this to look like something that the community would would have put together. So that's that's what we did. So my biggest question for you is, and you even touched on it when you were bringing up the the fact that these are bread and butter issues and that the CSM has been trying for some of these things for a while. My question for you in particular is being a line member, being not someone um, from a leadership position, what in particular does that give you to to change the game? What do you think that gives you such that you can go to CCP and make these changes happen? Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say that I can go to CCP and make these changes happen, because I think Satoni and everybody else will be able to say that, that if you go in with that attitude, you're more likely than not going to get relegated to the back seat. Uh, nobody wants to be told what to do. <laughs> so what I think what I think being a line member provides me, I am the target demographic. Um, you know, there, there are very few senior alliance leaders in the game. There are very few senior FCs. There are very few famous Twitch streamers or, or, or Reddit celebrities. These types of folks are, are the cream of the top. They're the top guys and they're important, but the vast majority of the people to play the game are guys like me. And I think having that perspective of somebody who's going to say, all right, I need to know, I, I'm looking at this from the perspective of what do I think is going to be fun and, and what do I think is, is going to be uh, useful that I'm going to take advantage of to go play, whether it's the, the new PVE content, whether it's changes to NullSec, changes to Faction Warfare, things along those lines. My, I think my gut reaction is going to be at least as similar as their target demographic as anybody else out there. Uh, and I think having that, at least having that perspective, I think will be useful to them when they're making these decisions. So let's pause for a moment and take a look at your plans for dealing with high-sec Wardex. And we'll bring Commander A's into the conversation because this is also a thing he's been running with for a while now. He's been heavily involved with the Wardex project, which is a Discord server that's um, all about just putting forth ideas to fix the current state of high-sec Wardex and mechanics. So can you talk a bit about what your specific plan is, and then we'll have Commander A's come in and we'll he'll talk about what he thinks is good. Maybe he agrees with you, maybe he disagrees, and we'll just have a little bit of a conversation about where you two maybe differ in your opinions, and then we'll move into Commander A's talking about his campaign. Absolutely. You know, I think if you ask anybody in high sec, even the folks even the folks in Pirate and, and Vendetta and the other groups that, that take advantage of the war deck mechanics right now, I think everybody recognizes that they're broken. The reality is, is that this has been a broken mechanic for a long time now, but it's not the biggest front of mind concern for CCP, and I think that's one of the reasons why they haven't really focused on it. And I, I may be, I may be wrong about that because a lot of the stuff is NDA, so I don't even know. Satonia so can probably tell us. Maybe he can tell us whether or not this has been something that's been talked about more than we think it is. Uh, but I think 
when I when I look at war decks right now, I look at them primarily in my experience as a nullsec guy, and that is they're basically a griefing tool. Um, they're used to to hit newer players as well as older alliances, take advantage of people that are moving through high sex space to be able to attack and gank and not have the impact uh, of concrete coming down on them or, 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 or having really um, any kind of meaningful PvP uh, where, where there's a chance that the folks that are, that are on, the, on the aggressing side are going to lose. So what I think needs to happen is we need to, to kind of make war decks functional in such a way as that there's a reason to do it and that there's something for both sides. Uh, you can't take away the the gameplay mechanic for those who are using it, but at the same time, you've got to give the defenders an opportunity to have some kind of meaningful role in the process. So one of the things that I think this is universal, we've all talked about, is making sure that in order to war deck a group, that's, you have assets in space. You have some type of, of citadel or something that, that can be defended. Um, and then the other thing that we've talked about that I, I think is a great idea is ensuring that we have victory conditions that are set up before the war so that folks that are fighting know what they're fighting over. It's not just a, well, we're going to kill stuff until, you know, Cochran invalidates it because nobody got killed in five days or something. Uh, there has to be a way for the defenders to win. There has to be a way for the winners to win. And there should be some type of, of, of benefit uh, or, or reason for, for having these wars uh, that provides them with some kind of a, a, a benefit. Malcanus um, is, is a, uh, former CSM member, he's a member of the initiative, and he and I have talked about this quite a bit. Uh, and his idea was posting war bonds when you start a war, uh, and whoever wins the war gets the bond. And the bigger the group, the bigger the corporation, the the, the, the higher the bond would be, so it's more meaningful. Uh, and I think if you take those types of things, you focus on making sure that, that you give both sides tools, you make the wars meaningful, and you provide some way for the defenders to win, uh, that that would go a long way towards fixing the issues that we have with it now. Gotcha. So to remind the audience members who may be unfamiliar, the current mechanics surrounding war decks are any corporation or alliance can declare war against any other corporation or alliance. And the way that works is you, the executor of the alliance or someone in, with the roles in the corporation can go in, declare the war, and they have to pay a fee to Concord in order to declare the war. That fee scales with the size of the alliance so anyone under 50 people in whatever your hostile target group is, you pay 50 mil. From 51 up to 2,000, it scales up logarithmically. And then at 2,000, it caps out at 500 mil for the war. And then the war lasts one week. Concord will not get involved in any hostile action between the two groups. And then after one week, or even during that period, the attackers can choose to pay to extend the war or to let it go away, and then Concord will inval invalidate it and the war will go away. So Commander A is based on what Brisk has said. Let's go ahead, you give us your plan, and then talk a bit about maybe where your and Brisk plans overlap. Maybe you disagree with him. Maybe you'd rather go into some more specifics about different plans. Give us your, give us your take on this topic. Okay, so I take a very similar stance on, on Word X. Uh, they are currently broken in multiple different ways. Additionally, they are currently being used as, as Brisk said it, uh, a griefing mechanic by many. There are some occasions where a legitimate war deck is happening where two parties really just want to duke it out, and that's fantastic. That's the kind of content that they need to save and try and figure out how we can get that into a new system. 
So kind of what I would hope to do with this system is as much as as much as the urge to tie things towards structures is there, uh, the problem is that you can just outsource the structures uh, to a third party corporation and then now your whole group is safe. But there needs to be a line somewhere in the sand of what you can and can't do. One of the ideas that the Wardeck group has come up with is that you also want to enable players to be able to play the game while the war is happening. So as it stands, you know, if you're in a, in, in a war, your targets can kill you at any point in time, anywhere you are, with no, no consequence. I, I formerly ran a high-sec alliance uh, called Lin Kuei that specialized in bringing new players to the game. We ended up shutting down our doors after about a month and a half of war decks because we couldn't get any content, even if we tried to fleet up against them. Um, so, you know, I, it's actually a, a topic that really kind of strikes at my core because that was an effort that I put several years into trying to make. So but when it comes to actually solving this, you know, how do you make it so that people's number one, you know, the defenders, their number one way of winning isn't to just go play a different game for a week. That's that's the challenge, you know, because right now the only way they win is I'm going to go play PUBG for a week and starve them of kills and they'll leave me alone because they're not actually targeting my structures. They're not actually targeting anything. They just want cheap kills. So how do we move from that to getting both sides in space wanting to fight in a situation where both of them are good with it? Uh, the most recent idea that I've proposed to the group was kind of an engagement area. Uh, this would be loosely framed around structures, but also uh, based on the attacker's um, intel of the group uh, that they want to attack. So let's say my group wants to attack yours. I can declare, you know, attacks in your structures, which would be a specific, you know, the constellations your structures are in, I can now attack you in those areas. But if you want to seek content in the game and still actually play, you can abandon your structures and move elsewhere. It's not incredibly engaging when it comes to, you know, if people just leave their structures to die. But at the same time, maybe that forces some fights by, by actually limiting that engagement area and understanding that you're in a combat risk in that area. Um, and possibly even expanding this out to say, hey, you want to pay more? You can put you can potentially even get an entire region as your engagement area, uh, and kind of playing off that. There's many, 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 many articles of um, you know how Wordex can be fixed. You know what can be done X, Y, and Z. Intel mechanics that should come back for high sec that shouldn't come back for null. You know everything from locator agents to help people hunt to you name it. There's all sorts of things that can change, but the goal is making it balanced for both sides as well. Making it balanced, making it so people can actually play the game, and effectively creating a situation in which combat is going to happen. Because you want you want that situation where one side is going to say, hey, you know, we fleeted up to defend our structures. They never showed. The war should end. You know, gotcha. they, they should have a benefit there. Not just, you know, the other side sitting there going, oh, well, we'll just war deck them again for another week and not do anything. Okay, so it seems like we have a bit of agreement on a few points as far as the details on how to actually solve the problem. A little bit of disagreement, but I'm sure CCP, of course, has their own point of view, which may limit things. Um, other topics which are also on your campaign agenda, if as it were, Commander. Tell us about that. Okay, so initially... I wanted to initially when I posted my campaign agenda, I had three on there that 
started with the little things, said high sec health and the NPE and community support. I changed the, the middle one to be game wide all security status health because generally speaking, there are friction based mechanics where people would play more if they didn't have to do them or if they were changed to make their lives just a little bit easier. And those mechanics in some cases are very, very simple to change. Can you take a moment and describe what you mean by friction-based mechanics? So picture a mechanic in the game that is just abrasive for you to want to actually do. For me, prior to the upcoming patch, that mechanic was PI. I'm an industrialist. I love industry. I will put in builds. I will do all sorts of things. I will run workable fleets to no end. I refuse to set up my PI. So now I was over the moon when they finally announced that, hey, PI is getting a rework and you're not going to have to click 9 billion times to set things up. Fantastic. That's what I mean by a friction mechanic. Something that's actually going to, when you change it, is going to improve the end user's experience dramatically or actually cause them to use it because they want to use it because now it's become worthwhile um, and less abrasive to their soul to actually set up. So are we talking like the the quality of life little things that is it CCP Carker who does those from time to time that are just amazing quality of life fixes or are there actual gameplay mechanics that you feel also fit the bill? So this this is where there's kind of a twofold. You know, there are some things like the little things where you know the little things are just these quick odds and end type, you know, things that make our lives just genuinely better. They're not really based around things that are hurting us, um, to start with, at least. Uh, however, down the road, you get these large, somewhat larger mechanics. You know, like uh, I would describe like part of little things to be, you know, colors on the watch list or colors on the um, broadcast. That mm-hmm. was a little thing that was added that was fantastic. You know, adding ship types to broadcast. That's fantastic as well. Those weren't really friction mechanics. Those were just, you know, hey, somebody broadcast and we need to know what type of ship they're in. It makes it easier without having to lock them up. And in the age of having, you know, 20 different overview tabs, it makes a lot more sense to make it easier for people. That's that little thing. The kind of general security status health update type stuff and friction mechanics are things more like war decks, where there are some simple solutions to it um, that if they integrate it into the game could dramatically reduce the amount of griefing that's going on by a wide margin. And there are some mechanics out there that they just won't change. That's, you know, we have to accept that as well. Uh, but hopefully we can go through, and for each security status area, there are different things. Like for LOSEC, one of their big things is, uh, specifically for faction warfare space, Citadel access and being able to drop a Citadel for anywhere and be able to use it even though if you lost control of the system, uh, which gotcha. is a huge, huge issue for that LOSEC community. Uh, you know, NULLSEC, SOP warfare, faxes are overpowered, um, you name it. It's it's the same story for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the friction based mechanics that I would refer to under that you know game wide all security health is um and this was patched earlier this year thank God um is the dramatic decrease in jump fatigue that has made a huge difference because I've known people that had a month plus of fatigue 
And this is, you know, now you can log in, do what you need to do, not be afraid to build it up, still go out on fleets. It's just all around a better mechanic. Gotcha. So I think you've painted a pretty good picture of what that particular issue is that you're interested in. Do you have any other issues? This also kind of ties into uh, community support, and I think CCP is doing, uh, doing a great job with the support that they have and reaching out to third parties to, to continue that support. So for instance, like Plus 10 Gaming picking up uh, the assistance for the Alliance tournament. In a world where we have effectively three people on the community team, it makes a lot more sense for them to bring in more outside assistance uh, to get these things and ensure that they're they continue the quality that they've been at. Um, so I'm really actually excited to see that partnership specifically. Um, but I want to see them continue to use the CSM specifically as this you know, community support branch. And to almost bring them into more of a public role um, would be my hope. Uh, because I don't, I don't feel that there's a lot of things that they talk about that, as players, we don't talk about as is. You know, generally, you know, picking up on different odds and ends type things. You know, we talk about game game mechanics all the time. You know, what we would change, what we could, what we can't change. You know, I think there could be a little bit more transparency there um, when it comes to the community, and then we can see more of what the CSM does. I actually really appreciated the last. Uh, CSM Summit minutes because they seem to be a lot more open about how things were being presented, how they're being talked about, and that gave us kind of more of a transparent view of the organization. Interesting. So, Satonia, you're currently on the CSM. You were involved in the meetings that came out with the minutes which Commander Ace is referring to. Do you think that further and expanded transparency from CCP about their relationship with the CSM, the community, or their internal workings of the organization? Is that something that you think is viable? Uh, it's definitely viable, and I think it's something that's been gradually happening. I'd also like to give a huge shout-out to Jintan, who you obviously know uh, pretty well, uh, because uh, he's been doing a great job, I think, of sort of doing his like bi-weekly updates and just keeping the community informed and uh, just keeping uh, everyone sort of uh, informed about what CCP's doing, what we're talking about, but things like that. Interesting. So, Brisk, you work in the real-life government. Uh, there's a lot of things that go on there where it needs to be publicized, it needs to be public, but then there are a lot of things, political dealings, which, at least to the public mind, have to be, or at least are, behind closed doors, kept in secret. What's your, from that perspective, point of view on the relationship between CCP the company and its community and how much they share or what they share? In any situation where you're dealing with a group that, that is making changes that have an impact on people that they may or may not like and that are subject to change, you have to be careful with how much transparency you provide. The joke we have in Washington is everybody wants to eat the sausage, but nobody wants to see how it gets made. And a lot of times, the sausage-making part of it, uh, if you threw that open to the general public, uh, would cause a lot more problems than the lack of transparency provides. So while I would say I, I agree with, with A's and, 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 and I appreciate what Jintan and others have been doing to provide a lot of transparency, uh, and I think that definitely needs to be improved if we can, because the more information we can provide to the players about what the CSM is doing, what CCP and them are doing together, I think the more credibility the CSM has. But at the same time, I recognize that uh, our player base is 
hyper interested in potential changes to the game, not only just to, to figure out how they can how they can impact how they will impact the game, how they can uh, min-max those types of things to get the most out of them, uh, how they can make money off them, those types of things. But also just because they want to make sure that the game doesn't start moving in a direction that takes it away from what is fundamentally considered EVE. Uh, and I think a lot of times when you're presenting new ideas that haven't been fully fleshed out, that need to be you know, the type of brainstorms that you would you would expect in a room full of creative people, that putting that out there when it's in that first form is is a real recipe for disaster uh, because a lot of people will see that and say they're going to do what? Oh, we can't do that. Uh, I think, frankly, just if you look at at, at the changes coming up on Tuesday with the Triglavian uh, uh, and the Abyss and and the and the RNG stuff, uh, if those types of stuff had been announced while they were still in their original planning phases, that yes, Eve was going to have some instance PVE. Yes, we were going to do you know, for lack of a better term, enchanting. Uh, I think you would have seen a hue and cry that was raised far above and beyond what we actually did see because people would have been freaking out about what it was going to mean, especially when there weren't a lot of details at that early stage. But thanks to the CSM, thanks to CCP working together, I think when they made the announcement at FanFest and they they showed all of this stuff, that the potential blowback that I would have expected like two or three years ago never really materialized. I think, in fact, instead, a lot of people are excited, interested to see what's going to happen uh, and then they've been able to watch, at least on the on the on the mods, the uh, the mutagen mods, uh, as CCP has actively gone and and altered them while uh, they were on CC, so the folks could see in real time what they were doing to make sure that they weren't overpowered. I think that that hopefully brought a lot of goodwill from the community to CCP to say, hey, look, they're listening, they're paying attention, uh, and they're making changes based on player feedback. That's what they're supposed to do. So I, I think. You always have to balance transparency with the desire to ensure that the community doesn't go crazy. Uh, and I think so far, at least in the last year or so, they've been doing a pretty good job of it. And I give Sutoni a lot of credit for that, as well as the other CSM members, uh, because I think they've been doing, doing a great job. Agreed. I, I definitely think that the current CSM is definitely doing a fantastic job with uh, kind of balancing that line. Um, I think that there's opportunity to advance that line a little further, though. That's my big thing, though. Yeah, so, Brisk is absolutely right. Uh, sorry, the, the, when the, the alpha skill injectors were first proposed, uh, the original dev blog probably would have generated a ton more outrage than what we initially got. Like, uh, I think the CSN like proofread and we went over and like we changed the language completely and brought up a lot of concerns and had like an FAQ section added to it just for like the alpha skill injector things, just as an example of like one area where releasing something straight away would just cause like mass panic. Exactly. I mean, that that's our player base. You know, we see changes. Every change that's proposed is, Oh my God, this is going to destroy the game. So you have to balance that with, uh, with the desire to provide new, new and, and better things. And uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to see uh, that the CSM is doing their job and, and helping CCP to fix some of the stuff before it causes unnecessary drama. So I would like to kind of, backtrack a little bit um brisk and i actually have very similar positions uh not necessarily i don't work necessarily in politics i work uh, in federal government however not uh, as a campaign person lucky you Ace. <laughs> yeah yeah trust me i i avoid that with a 10-foot pole at minimum my my current role is a interagency liaison working specifically for disaster response and recovery so you know, we deal with bringing all these different groups together, finding that common ground, finding what are the most important objectives objectives to hit. 
and finding what resources we can use to more effectively hit all of those goals while maintaining everyone's individual priorities as well. Um, and I think that that kind of balance and, and that doesn't, uh, doesn't come across very often. Interesting. So, Commander A is something which I find admirable in, um, in your particular attempts at running for the CSM is just how doggedly you pursue it. How many times have you run for the, the CSM so far? This is my fifth campaign for CSM, I believe. Um, if I lose this one, I officially set the record for uh, the least successful candidate in EVE Online. Well, at least you're, you're throwing your hat into the ring, which is a lot more than could be said for many EVE players out there. But can you tell us a bit about your background and sort of what is motivating you besides the issues on your campaign? What gives you at least, what makes you invested in EVE? What's your background in EVE? When did you start? Who did you play with? What do you do? Why do you enjoy it? And how does that connect to your motivation to running for CSM? All right. So when I started, uh, I'm going to go from start to finish here. When I started, I started an industrial corporation. Wanted to mine. I was in college. I needed some, some game that I could play, you know, do the grind, but not pay full attention to while I was studying. EVE Online was that perfect, perfect way to do things. It helped me out in a lot of ways. Uh, I was taking an astronomy course that actually a lot of things in EVE Online, you wouldn't think about it, actually assist you in taking courses in astronomy. But kind of growing from there, uh, we kind of broke away from our initial group with a core group of PvP players that we decided, okay, we're going to break out, do some war decks, uh, be the bad guys for a little while. That lasted all of about five minutes and um you know about uh, it was more like five months but still uh feels like five minutes at this point eventually we decided we wanted to go to null uh so our first attempt at null uh was not successful um and then from there we kind of grew into things um came back to high sec lived there for a while uh during that time during that time i was an incursion fc for detanian fleet eventually we found ourselves back out in Delve, uh, where I was a member of the Serenity Initiative, which is a which is still a uh, nullsec group. Uh, however, ended up parting ways with them um, after Try took uh, after Try took the drone lines um, back. So from there, we moved into East India Company on Catastrophic Uprising. Ended up coming back to HiSec to run incursions, and around that time, the HiSec Drifter incursions were a thing, um, so I helped lead the public charge to run those sites um, in a incredibly broken way, um, and just kind of infused the HiSec community with a, a boatload of money. Um, so that was a fun experience. Um, my corporation formerly is a C2 wormhole owner. Uh, we ended up selling the wormhole when we moved out to Delve. Uh, however, during that time, we also uh, maintained a high-sec presence where we would recruit new players, bring them in, and this was where the Lin Kuei Alliance was founded. Brought them in, got them used to the game, kind of brought them into incursions so they could make serious money. Um, you know, we're one of the first groups to really kind of bring in cruisers into the high-sec incursion communities, because uh, right now it's kind of a dry area for people, uh, sub-faction battleship skills at least. Um, mainly that's due to the scout sites and incursions being not runnable. Um, but this kind of moved forward into my push to want to get back into to doing things more on a larger scale. 
I got involved with Spectre Fleet at that point, became a, an FC in Spectre Fleet, and later led the Spectre Fleet Alliance tournament team um, in two wins, uh, and then lost against PL and uh, a band apart. And then from there, my corporation decided, okay, um, it's time that we make a move. Um, and our alliance was under siege from multiple war decks, and we just weren't getting very many good options of what to do. We thought, you know, maybe we'll go full scale into a wormhole. Decided, okay, maybe pursued an option in Fountain with a culture that was just financially infeasible. And then we received the golden parachute of offers from um, Solendesimus and uh, and Carneros to join the Bastion and move to Delve and uh, have been very happy since doing that. So it's kind of a long-winded story, but I've kind of done a little bit of everything. I've done the PvP side. I've managed, you know, an entire region worth of moons in, in Ethereum Reach. You know, been an FC, been logistics. I remember the days of the combat refitting carriers. Um, you know, the whole works. Uh, so I've kind of been around the block on, on all these things, and I feel like I have a lot to offer when it comes to just general experience within the game. Gotcha. So, Alexia of Card has made it in. Yep. Hey, everybody. Uh, apologies for the delay. We had a, a loss in the family, and it kind of took priority over a whole bunch of other stuff. So, uh, my apologies to the audience and to the guests. But uh, everybody, pray for my mom. She's uh, pretty upset right now. Very sad to hear that, Alex. So, we're going to be jumping into Setonia who, as Brisk has already mentioned, seems to be a bit of a, a topic expert. He goes very into depth on a number of issues. I specifically remember, as I was learning to PvP, reading through your Eve is Easy articles and watching your videos and things like that. So, Setonia, tell us a little bit about your Eve history. How did you become the, the topic expert that you are today and the many topics which interest you? Oh, I started playing EVE in 2007. I've been playing EVE for just over 11 years now. And when I actually started, I wanted to be a miner. Me and my college buddy started playing. And we wanted to uh, mine and make an industry corp because we thought it was like super cool that everything was uh, built by players pretty much with a few exceptions. And the like almost unregulated player market was super cool. Of course, uh, I trained into a Hulk and then I immediately got bored of mining. <laughs> And I just kind of went through a bunch of stuff for about a year, you know, just missions, exploration, which was terrible at the time when you used to have like seven minutes on probes if you didn't have good skills. Oh, Lordy. And, you know, just going through like everything you can kind of do in the game until I kind of just wanted to try doing PvP. And initially I started uh, PvPing in sort of high sec wars, but then that kind of got stale. And then I sort of branched out into no sec and I really wanted to uh, get into solo PvP and uh, I learned a lot of solo PvP just by shooting Providence mostly and then it's sort of just I've just stayed from there I've mostly just been uh, doing solo PvP or small gang PvP for about 8 to 9 years Gotcha Can you talk to us about your like how you got started as a content creator and what your passion is there? Well, well, for me, it's that a lot of the content that I used to watch, uh, the content creators either left the game or they moved on to doing other stuff. Like, I really used to like CCP Rise's videos where he used to just stream and it it wasn't, like, edited. Like, the, the typical uh, sort of EVE PvP movie 
thing in sort of 2012. This was like before Twitch was really a thing. It was more of like a kind of a niche thing, especially within Eve. Most like PvP videos in Eve are just these, you know, things put together at three times the speed with dubstep in the background or, you know, classic heavy metal, those kind of things. And with like Max Pimp, nothing. It was really hard, I think, for someone who didn't have much skills or didn't really know what they were doing to sort of look at that and see what they're supposed to be doing. And that's kind of where I sort of came in. And I think that's where I became really popular is I sort of just flew uh, low SP ships a lot. I flew really cheap ships. And I also just had like basic commentary and didn't really edit anything out or anything like that. And don't use expensive implants. So, go ahead, Brisk. I love Suetonium's videos. Uh, I mean, that I remember back when I started getting back in the game again, watching that stuff was invaluable. So I'm a big fan. Um, also worth noting, Suetonium is the only incumbent that we have here on the show. Uh, and I'd love to get a little bit of a sense of your evolution as a CSM candidate from the first time you ran to now running after having won and served a bit of time in the office. Oh, I'm still, uh, I'm pretty happy with the CSM actually. I sort of, the reason why I applied for the CSM in the first place was because I had a really positive experience, uh, uh in the focus groups of CCP, especially the tactical destroyer focus group at the time. And I really wanted to do more of that in a like more impactful way, which is why I joined the CSM. And uh, it's been everything that I've hoped for personally, like j- just being able to uh, message the developers, like start conversations about certain topics is uh, is just fantastic. So coming from a solo PvP background, you mentioned being interested in or having access to the CS the CCP devs through the focus groups was a motivation for you to run for CSM. Is that your sole motivation? Do you have things within the game that are stuff that you are interested in pushing towards change as you are part of the CSM? Or what's the what is your campaign strategy or your campaign focus? I mean, for, for the most part, my campaign focus last year was mostly just uh, balancing issues. And a lot of the, the, the issues uh, have been fixed now. There are still a few balance issues that I want them to address, like 500 mm hicks. But I think the, the game's in a much healthier place, I think. And uh, I'm glad that people voted me on the CSM because I think I, I got a lot of things fixed that were small gang community issues, like, uh, you know, the Orphus got nerfed now. Uh, there was like a lot of debate about the rapid light changes. There was like the initial like thirty nine kilometer hickscrams, j- just things like that. Uh, th- and there's also just g- generic things that just annoy everyone, like Ward X, which is always good to discuss. Uh, 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 like I'm someone who normally logs in almost every single day and just plays, kind of like uh, like Br- like Brisk, I guess. In that I I don't really hold a leadership position. I don't really have my own corp or anything like that. I kind of just log in and play the game and talk to people. So I kind of see what's going on from like the ground up. Well, so Tony, can, a... can I ask you a, a quick question? I'm sorry, Alex. Um, no, absolutely, Briss. Go for about it. About the war decks. Have you, uh, this is a perennial issue. Have you guys talked about that? I mean, how, how, what's, I know we want it. We want to fix it. Has CCP made any uh, inclination as to what they want to do and, and if they're working on it? 
if you can talk about that. Uh, yeah, CCP absolutely want to do something about it, but it's just a matter of time and priorities and what's on the roadmap and whatnot. I mean, it, it comes up almost like every single month in the CSM hip chat. Is it... Are you able to say what sort of the consensus is about the the problems related to Wordex? Because that's always been a traditional issue with this subject. No, no one can really come together on on what the problems were. Uh, it took us a long time to even get the the previous word deck fixes like sort of agreed and settled on. You know, getting the defenders and the attackers, the nullsec alliances, the empire dwellers all on the same page about what is wrong and what is a fair place that the balance that the mechanic should be balanced at. It's always been an issue. Is there consensus about like when it comes time to get on the roadmap? What should be on there? Now you don't have to say specifically what will be, although please do if that's possible. I think Brisk and Commander Ace touched on this earlier, and I don't want to go through the points too much, but I completely agree with them. But I think the, there's there's a few main problems. The first is I think corporations are really important to the game because they're sort of how people get started and how they form groups and how those people eventually sort of move on, I think, for, from maybe high sec to low sec, null sec and wormhole space. And Wardex act as like a, a com- like an opposite driving force for that. Like um like a player joining like I think there's like some stats or something. Like if a player joins a player corporation, they're like five times more likely to to stay stick with the game or something. Like that's how important they are for keeping players around in the game. But mm-hmm. the problem is Wardex are like completely counter to that because if you're if you're just a person who's you know average Joe in high sec, the best thing for you to do is just to stay in an NPC corp. If you don't have like a very well organized high sec group already, and if you're new to the game, it's unlikely that you're going to have that. And so I think I think it'll be really cool. Maybe this is something that we talked about is having like some kind of different corporations. Like maybe you could have like a social corporation, and there would be restrictions that would prevent you from say owning any structures or citadels or POSs and maybe there would be the NPC tax that everyone in the corp gets still gets taxed by the NPCs but, but for all other intents and purposes it would be kind of like a corporation you know with like roles wallet that kind of thing I think your your point about the best place to be in high sec as an NPC corp is going to become even more true now that freeport citadels are a thing so previously, the industrial facilities, which you could only really get through a corporation-owned pause, can now be accessed by anyone for a small fee by setting up a citadel or by utilizing one of these freeport citadels by entrepreneur uh, high-sec dwellers. My question, which I want to bring up now that we've gone through everyone's history, is there's a definite trend, at least with everyone currently on the podcast, myself and Alec included, which is we all started out in high-sec. And then it seems to be that there is a natural progression from high sec to outwards, sort of as you grow in your experience in EVE, you start looking for more beyond high sec. And nobody goes back. So my question is, is this something that we think is just exclusive to the people who get super hardcore to the game to the point where they're running for the CSM or creating content? Or is this even something we think is valuable? Should HiSec be made a place where people can live their entire EVE careers there and don't necessarily want to move elsewhere? Or should there be legitimate reasons to move elsewhere? What are your thoughts on at least the, the current history of that trend, if you think it exists at all, 
and where that should be in the state of play going forward. I mean, uh, in my opinion, high sec should be... There's a lot of different people who play EVE, and some people, even though EVE is sort of this hardcore PvP game at its core, there are people who still maybe want to play solo, but they just kind of want to live in this dog-eat-dog world, even if it isn't high sec. I think I think still that like the majority of the player base still actually lives in high sec. Uh, I think high sec should exist to kind of be sort of you know the 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 training wheels kind of thing where it should be this sort of uh, environment where people can get organized and get together. But the real game is in low sec, no sec. But people can still play in high sec if they want. I mean, it's a sandbox. People should be able to do what they want. Brisk commander, your thoughts? So. I see it as an area of growth, very much like Satonia said. It's an area where people can go to start, build something, and then bring it to somewhere that they can use that niche and make money off of it. Highsec, as much as much ragging as people do on the incursion communities, they don't make near what you can make in Nullsec. Even on a case-by-case basis, you can't beat Nullsec income ever. Um... That being the case, like the, you know, Satonia talked about the opposite content driver of, you know, people being pulled back to high sec because there's that available PvP, what they want, but not necessarily what's good for Eve as a whole. Um, and I think that kind of pushing towards, pushing towards something bigger is something that high sec is supposed to be there for you're supposed to push out of it grow become some other, something else maybe become an alliance maybe join another alliance um you know you're supposed to go somewhere from there now at the same time i don't want to discount the people that that i refer to as eve casual for for high sec because there are some people that are totally happy with logging in running level four security missions in a blinged out battleship and never chatting with another person in local the entire time. Yeah, it's something like 60% of the player base, I believe. Yeah, it's it's a pretty crazy amount. Like, I'll admit I did that for a significant amount of time uh, before I really got to know my corp when I started. Um, and then, you know, I don't know that I would go back, but at the same time, it's a pretty deep rabbit hole that we've gone down at this point. So, um. I think that there needs to be a way to balance the risk in high sec to more equally reflect the rewards given there. Um, the average high sec missioner isn't making near, isn't even making a tenth of what you can make in null sec if you are semi competent or have any level of skill. It's um, interesting that you you mention the risk reward balance because just a few years ago even the opposite side of the coin was being argued people were saying there's a lot of risk in nullsec but very little reward i think if you look at delve and you look at, at some of the the other things that folks have been doing that that's definitely changed uh but yeah I think... we're in the uh the work while mining and super ratting era now yeah um, and that's in, that's in really a, what's... in a post uh in a post fighter mechanic change and work will change world the reality is that Nullsec just become just became the safest, highest income place to possibly be, um, and that's just the reality of things now. Well, I would, I would, I would, I wouldn't go that far. What I would say is, 
that I think we finally got to a point in the game where I think the, the risk versus reward balance is in a good place. High sec is relatively low risk unless you get war decked, which is something why we have to fix that uh, with with moderate to low rewards. Low sec, so low sec has some of the best rewards in the game. If you're if you're doing incursions like Ace said, if you're doing faction warfare things like that, you can make a lot of money in low sec, uh, and it's a good place to to get to cut your teeth on on solo and 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 small gang PvP. But null sec is, I still think, the riskiest place. There, even if you're in delve. There's always a chance you're going to get dropped. There's always a chance somebody's going to come and kill your excavators. Uh, it, it, you got to be on the ball and you got to be ready because you're not going to get saved unless you know what you're doing. Uh, but at the same time, you also have the opportunity to make the, the most money. Um, and of course, the existential threat that you, you can get World War beat and like have your entire gameplay disrupted for like half a year. Exactly. I mean that when when you're in Nullsec and you're in, engaged in the larger uh, Eve New Eden politics. Uh, that that's that's a different style of gameplay than you'll see in in low sec or in or in high sec, and it doesn't appeal to everybody. And, and at least in my opinion, my opinion, null sec was where I always wanted to be. And I spent way too long in high sec for my own taste. But a lot of that was because I spent a lot of time playing solo because I didn't have time to really get involved in the game uh, up until a couple of years ago, where I was basically a mission runner and a high sec miner and logging in and, and playing for an hour at a time. I didn't have time to, I didn't to get involved in a lot of the other stuff. And that, that I think is, is a great, is what high sec is for. It's, it's what you're supposed to be able to do there. Log in. And, and like a said, play casually um, and, and have a good time and get to know the game and, and, and feel comfortable with it. And when you want to, if you want to, you move out and you, and you go into low sec or you go into null sec. Uh, that's not to say that there aren't people that go immediately into Nullsec. I've had friends who came in and said, "I want to be do, I want to do this," and I said, "Well, here you go. Come on down with us, and we get you set up." And folks that had been playing the game for two weeks were were all of a sudden in a Nullsec PvP alliance. Uh, but at the same time, you have high sec guys that have been there for 10, 15 years, and they like it. That's what they do. Uh, but for me, end game content in this game are the large pitch fleet battles with supers on grid that you see in all the videos that we see in the international news headlines every time there's a million-dollar battle. Uh, and that's what I think a lot of people aspire to. That's what I aspired to when I started playing the game. Because uh, when I came in, it was when the Bob War was kicking off, and, and, and that was what, one of the reasons why I wanted to start playing. But we have to recognize that that's not, not the play style for everybody, and there is room in E for all of that. And I think CCP's done a pretty good job of providing new PvE content. I think the stuff we're going to see on Tuesday is going to be great for that. Uh, but I do think at the end of the day, uh, a lot of folks view, you know, the Nullsec alliances and that type of thing as, as end game content. And that's what it should be, I think. I'm going to bring it back to something Satonia mentioned about balancing. This has been a frequent topic of controversy within the Eve community. Certainly, <laughs> the show has had a stance on it, but I want to hear what you guys think. And that is the pace at which CCP balances Eve. There's been a lot of talk that um, they're balancing too quickly, not balancing quickly enough. Very few people think that they're doing everything correctly at the status quo. Uh, I'd love to know what the candidates think. And since Suetonia brought it up, uh, feel free to kick it off. Well, I actually really like the current sort of uh, balancing pace. The tone has sort of been set since the Lifeblood expansion, where every three to four months we have sort of uh, like a balance patch. Like in Lifeblood, we had sort of a change to like all of the old uh, alpha capable ships. And then this February, we've had sort of the assault frigates. And then we've had uh, 
changes to Macarials, Ferruxes. So those kind of changes, I think, are really cool and needed. And I really like the fact that they're coming like every three to four months. On the other hand, though, I, I do know that I was told, uh, like, I think it was CSM 10 uh, or 11, I can't remember which, but th- there's definitely like balance fatigue as well, especially talking to some people uh, who wanted to get back into the game or people who played like before Command Destroyers, like they left just before the Command Destroyer patch and then they're like, trying to come back into the game and they're like, whoa, like there's so much new stuff in the game now. How do I get started again? I would have to agree with you, Tony. I think the pace has been pretty good. Um, I think there are some things that I would like to see done a little faster. And I mean, I'll get on my soapbox for a second. If there's one change that I would love to push for, and I hope that everybody agrees with me on this, although I'm I'm sure probably some folks won't, um, we got to do something about uh, force auxiliaries. Faxes are are way OP, and they are... They are game-changing in any of these major fleet fights, and I would really like to see some changes made to them to make them a little less uh, game-breaking, uh, which I think anybody that's been in a big Milsec fight can tell you. Uh, when it when you can hold off uh, an entire fleet of 115 guys for 20 minutes in a Minakawa that's not officer fit, uh, there's something wrong with that. And when you can nullify you know, the equivalent of, you know, 10 to 15 dreads uh, alphas uh, with one one or two reppers on, on one chip, that's that's pretty bad. Uh, so I'd love to see them do some changes with that. But I think overall, I, I'm happy with the with the pace of the balance changes. And I think it's made the game more fun. And I mean, I, I, I understand Tony's point that it's, it's difficult for folks to come back in and not realize that the stuff that was um, great back when they were playing is, has been changed. Uh, at the same time, for those of us who are playing every day, it's fun. I mean, I, I have I've had more fun in assault frigates in the last two months than I've ever had in the entire game playing those ships. Uh, they they made them fun again. Uh, the same with with uh, armor hacks. The same with uh, the T3 cruisers. I use them far more than I ever did before, uh, and I think that that's a good thing. Yeah, I'll take a little bit of ownership on the the facts thing. It was like, oh, we should split carriers and have like one ship do the fighters really well and one ship do the repping really well. But definitely, facts need to be tuned down a little. Uh, even in the small game warfare sense, out, like outside of large fleet fights where there's big ass balls of them, even just one, uh, it's many more times impactful than the old triage carrier used to be, which itself was pretty strong. I do think if they were going to split it out, they needed to increase the power on them um, and their resilience and a little bit in their projected reps. But I feel like it's gone too far and probably just needs a bit of a numbers tweak or maybe... Uh, some kind of, of counterplay weakness where they're more vulnerable to some kind of counter when they're in triage, something like that. Uh, I mean, at least, look, a couple days ago, and, I, and I, when I say you know, 115 folks fighting uh, uh, a Minakawa, I'm not kidding. We did that about a week ago. Uh, we had, it was us and Fed Up and, and Goons, and we literally sat on a Minakawa in a fleet of 115 guys, Macarials and Ishtars, and we could not break the thing. We finally had to drop like a handful of dreads on the thing to kill it. And it was 20 minutes. That's, that's broken. That's not, that's not what these were designed to do. Well, I mean, um, it sounds like you just weren't willing to commit the tools to break it, but it could be done with a handful of dreads. You didn't need the 115 men subcap fleet, but you needed to bring caps. So it sounds like a, a tool to force either people to escalate or to counter just being outblobbed. <laughs> well, that's but that's the thing. If if this if this is a capital ship that's designed to you know provoke capital fights, 
then it has no business being able to, to, to triage and, and, and provide reps to a subcap fleet. You know, if, if you're going to force the other, other side to have to go into, into an escalation to handle stuff, um, I think that, that that mechanic needs to be looked at. Uh, that, that, that is, it basically gets us back to nobody is going to commit to battle unless they can bring overwhelming numbers. And that's, that's, that, that, that kills content creation. That's not fun. Absolutely. Um, A's, what about you? Where do you think about the pace of balancing? So I think it's pretty balanced right now. Um, I think they're, they're trying to do a decent amount. However, I think there's, they should set priorities, um, based on, you know, again, rolling back into this idea of pain points where faxes being as strong as they are is a bit of a pain right now. Interceptors, a bit of a pain right now. Um, you know, these are, these are ongoing things that they don't seem to have the urge to fix while releasing other changes. Now, and I know all these other changes have been great, so, like, I don't want to discount those. Those have been needed. They've been great. Uh, they've been actually pretty well-timed uh, from an industry perspective, um, knowing that, hey, everything can go up in the air on what doctrines are every three to four months gives you time to set up a chain, set up your you know industry lines, and, and get things going. Um, I would like to see more of a focus on what the community sees as the issues with balance than some of the other things that they've done. Um, I'd like to do something interesting, which is stuff we haven't talked about yet. Uh, what do each of you think the most important issue the CSM is going to have to tackle next year? Should you be elected, what do you expect to be one of the biggest things that you're going to be tasked with? No, obviously or at least in the past experiences, it's rarely the thing that actually turns out to be the biggest deal. But uh, I think it's very useful to get a sense of of what your priorities are and what you see as the big problem. Uh, Let's kick it off with Ace. That is a really good question. Um, I think going forward, probably the biggest challenge is going to be generating a situation in which there's more content. Although recently we seem to have had... uh, a break in the ice as it, as it might come across here, um, for getting people to actually fight each other. Um, but I think we're, we're going to start seeing a challenge of getting people to actually fight and creating a situation in which the mechanics of the game encourage large scale fights. Encourage large scale fights, fights specifically or more fighting generally, even if it's not as big. Personally, I'd like to see more fighting, even if it's not as big. Uh, but you know, everybody everybody likes big fights, um, even medium-sized fights, like you know, four or five hundred people, still a pretty pretty awesome fight to be a part of. The problem is right now there's no real incentive for one side to do that, unless they have a known win condition in which, you know, they're limiting their risk entirely. Risk. I think I'm not even going to go with something that that we can put our fingers on right now. What I think the biggest issue that next CSM is going to deal with is uh, with CCPC goal leaving. uh, We have a gap in the executive producer role. That role is going to be filled. I expect it would be filled. 
Maybe it won't, but I expect it will be. And operating under the assumption that it will be, we're either going to have a new person that's promoted from within CCP or someone that is coming in from outside. Regardless, they're going to have their plans and their desires to take the game in a direction uh, that they determined is to be important. And I, I think Seagull finished a lot of the stuff that she came in wanting to do. I think the last thing that's left on the roadmap that she really pushed for was uh, player-owned Stargates, player-created Stargates, player-destructible Stargates, things along those lines. Um, that's still on there to do. That has not been done yet. But I expect that what we will see potentially is a new roadmap, or at least a roadmap that pushes out a couple more years based on whoever the new executive producer is, and or, or even where Hilmar decides to go if he if he starts playing a more day-to-day role, uh, as it appears that he's, he's going to do. So I think in that regard, the CSM is going to have a lot of work to do to make sure that whatever CCP does, that they are staying true to the to the to the game to what eve is to what it has been and and that we're going to have to do assuming that i get elected or, or whoever assuming suetonia commander ace get elected we're going to have a lot of work to do to make sure that whoever this person is if especially if they're from the outside will be some of the first players that they get to meet and, and get to liaise with that we work with them to make sure that whatever plans they put together are are true to to what eve is and what it has been uh, and that we work with them to keep, you know, keep the game great for another 15 years. Make it great again for another 15 years. Yeah, there you go. Setonia? Uh The the biggest uh, issue for me, I think mostly, is just making sure that uh, CCP just stays in contact with the community now that uh, we're sort of halfway through the, uh, halfway through sort of the community team. Uh, losing a lot of their uh, their staff uh, from the previous year, and just being able to just make sure like CCP are aware of all of the concerns, like fill in the gaps for them, make sure that we're just active in the community and just bringing all the issues as they come up to them, and being just like super proactive. Uh, I know CCP Falcon and CCP Guard are like absolutely phenomenal. They do such a awesome job. But like, but I think the CSM really needs to uh, like step up a bit more and uh, like bring a lot more community concerns to them. Awesome. Uh, one other thing I'd like, and then I'd get back to Artemis if he has anything, is um, I'd like for each of you to ask one of the other candidates a question. Um, and Brisk, you know, feel free to kick this off. But I want to, what's the biggest unknown for you? For A's or Suetonia, um, what do you want to know about them? Or if you were a voter, what would you want to know about them? Well, I think the one thing that I would like to ask Suetonia, and this is more of a of a, of a meta question, is you know, looking at, at back, having been on the CSM for as long as you've been on, uh, what's the one thing you would tell everybody about it that you don't think that they know, and uh, especially those of us who are running for the first time? Uh, I think just jump into it and be proactive straight away like I, the first like two to three months i was a bit shy about just you know talking in the the ccp channels and like converse like convoying developers but a lot of them are more than happy to talk to you kind of a be proactive kind of thing yeah just like be be, be proactive if there's something that you want to do like make sure you you're you're just talking to people don't assume that you know 
CCP don't want to hear what you have to say. Excellent. Very good. Thank you. So, Tony, what about you? Any questions for the newcomers? Uh, I guess I'll ask uh, Commander, uh, what does he think sort of um, Losek's role in EVE should be? So, I think Losek plays two potentials. It's, one, an area for groups to continue to grow and eventually hit those endgame content areas. But I also feel that Faction Warfare specifically has a place in the endgame. Um, it just needs a little bit of love to get there. So there, there's kind of plays two roles as it can be an endgame for people based on their interest. And depending on if they want to play the, you know, pseudo sov control, but also, you know, being able to, to grow a group there and, and push it towards something bigger. Well, I want to push you on that one is a little bit. When you say that it could be endgame content, can you characterize how it would be? And if so, how it would be different than other forms of endgame content in the game? So Faction Warfare, in my opinion, is a, a really great idea because it's basically Sov Warfare localized um, and a little bit more effective with some higher rewards for participation, um, at least on the individual's perspective. So it creates an option for, you know, a little bit more of a casual endgame experience, but also, you know, a more grand scale, you know, Kaldari invading Minmatar space, or um, this will tell you just how little of the actual politics I know in Losek here. Um, you know, just having those larger fights happen, uh, of which they do happen, which is really cool to see. Awesome. And uh, Ace, do you have questions for your other two candidates here? I guess my question would be to Setonia. Um, in your first year, if you could change any one thing about how you interacted with CCP, how would you change well, I think I kind of touched on this a little with Brisk's question, but uh, being a bit more proactive to begin with and just uh, convoying people a lot sooner. But uh, I don't know, to, to try and think of something else, uh, I'm not too sure. I, I think sort of just uh, like uh, using like Confluence a lot more and like putting things together in Google Docs. Like I know uh, I wrote like a big Google Docs on... Uh, on like a saw frigates, and I know uh, like uh, I think CCP Rise and some of the developers really like that. And like it's really awesome if you can just like put out like all of the issues in like a document uh, and just like list everything out. It's like su it's uh, super useful for them. Good questions and good answers. So I mentioned previously in the show that we'd be getting a bit into talking about the Alliance tournament. And I, for one, would absolutely love to do that. However, we have been going for quite a while now, due to the fantastic discussion that we've had between our three candidates, Brisk, Commander A's, and Setonia. And so we're actually going to go ahead and just round things out with some host highlights, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Alliance Tournament next time. Uh, so, actually, real quick, I, I would, this is the two things I really want to know about Setonia as kind of a preview for that. 
Sutani, what's your pick to win? And what do you think the dominant team comp is going to be, meta-wise? Oh, I, there's not actually a published list of teams yet, so I don't know who's going to win. And based on the last time on 15, which was probably the most brutal alliance tournament yet, that it's really hard to pick who's going to win because... Like the, the obvious favorites normally are sort of like Hydra, PL, the Tuskers, Exodus, Vydra. Um, there's, there's so many good teams now. It's really hard to pick. But then also like last year, like the initiative beat PL and they were pretty strong and they, like, oh, yeah. Hydra, Hydra lost to, uh, Kodari role players. <laughs> and like, well, we're gonna put it like this. Do you think we'll see a champion that has won the tournament before or are we going to see a new champion crowned? Uh, with with the rules as well, since things have changed so much, I'm really I'm really hard pressed to say. I, I think we might see. I don't know. I, I think there's a good chance that we're gonna see a a new winner. I think. All so, right. Um, before we continue on with the second part of that question, I can ease everyone's mind, and well, not necessarily ease everyone's mind. It's gonna disappoint some people. It's gonna make some initiative people probably excited, but. Mercenary Coalition is not going to be participating in the Alliance tournament this year. Uh, um, basically, like, the super non-enthusiastic bout of discussion at FanFest about the Alliance tournament really took the wind out of the sails of just about everyone on the team. We've been on the fence about joining, and it comes to today, and the deadline for paying the bill to get into feeders etc or put your name in is coming up and our alliance executor is on vacation so that just puts the nail in the coffin <laughs> well there you go i was very much looking forward to commentating that match though yeah we were we were really looking forward to especially the noir bros looking forward to having you commentate on our on us flying in a match if it happened to work out that way but unfortunately it won't so you can take Mercenary Coalition's small little slip of paper out of the hat for who's going to win the next alliance tournament. In any case, let's talk about I'm sure meta. that spoiled someone's alliance tournament pool it's somewhere. Spo- it spoiled my day because <laughs> beating you guys last year was like the highlight of, of like six months of playing for me. It was great. It was, it was even better than when we killed your Keepster. That was, that was the most fun. You killed a Sharon. <laughs> exactly. I love you, Art. <laughs> I had to, I had to, I had to dig a little bit there the guys would give me a hard time if i did i can't wait to see you guys tomorrow that's all i'll say that'll be all fun. right let's let's talk meta because this meta is freaking crazy i did before we made the decision that alliance tournament wasn't happening i did a bit of theory crafting and Zetonia, i want to hear your thoughts <laughs> well we actually have a like a soundcloud up of uh, like me jintan uh, apophny uh, moderator and uh, Alexi Axen, like a bunch of like plus 10 guys sort of talking about the rule changes. But it's going to be crazy. It's going to be so hard to predict. There's like 10 ships per team now, and they're all unique. Uh, like the flagships have completely changed. Like no webs or newts means like Balgon is going away. The indicator is not going to, is going away. So now do we go to Rattlesnake? Do we see Lashak? Do we see the new Praxis? Like there's so many cool flagship options now, especially with the Marauders too. Like the Marauder, there's a lot of like viable Marauders, like Golem and Paladins that seem like they're going to be pretty cool. So it's like super hard to predict the me- the meta. I would like to see a Praxis flagship actually, because it's so versatile. You could really refit it. 
yeah, like, it's like between you can do fights. so much stuff with the Praxis as a flagship. Like, there's almost, like, it's almost, like most flagships that you can kind of train against them to, to, like, you know, kind of like, you know, like, if they have a flagship indicator, you kind of know what to expect, right? But with a Praxis, you don't know if it's like a shield, is it armor? Like, is it in a control team? Like, like it's so versatile just because you just don't know how to, like, test against it. I'm sad we're not going to see any, you know, nine Drake Navy issues. That, that was fun. Well, with with the restrictions, you know, just what is your what's your gut telling you about what sort of dominant, let's say, fleet structure will we see? Are we thinking a whole bunch of cruisers? Are we seeing points concentrated in battleships? Are we seeing specialized teams like maybe with recons and control? I think it's going to be really hard to run like a good control team now because it's hard to get it's hard to get ten ships to do the kind of same thing. Uh, uh, like it's like for example, with like a dam team, normally you would have like I don't know, like two Karises and a Maulus or something. Whereas now, like you'd have to do something weird, like Celestis Karis, Maulus, and like one ban kind of just destroys that entire team lineup because there's only so many dam ships that are useful. So it's like I, I don't know. I think it's kind of hard to have like a like a, a control team or any team that's sort of built on one what they're just doing one thing. Like with, with the drone teams as well, for example, uh, like you, you can, there's like so many good drone ships, right? Like you go like Vexa Navy issue Ishtar, Vexa Merm, like Eos maybe, and then it's like okay, well, I've still got five more ships. What do I bring? The Prophecy Arbitrator maybe. August. And you're stuck with T1 drones even. Yeah, so then it's kind of like oh, and then you just ban the Ishtar or something, and then okay, you can you just can't bring a drone team. I'm I'm suspecting that we're gonna have a lot of dispersed damage teams like we saw near the end game last year. Not so much your damage is in your core, and then you've got support ships around to enable you to apply damage or prevent the hostiles from applying damage at you. I'm expecting a lot of dispersed damage, probably a lot of hacks because they're super strong and they've got low point value. And also because I'm also thinking rapid lights may be an interesting thing. There are still a lot of rapid light ships that are very powerful and can do their thing. Like I even put together a rapid light comp and you can do a lot to avoid any sort of ban. Like you could ban three rapid light ships and I can probably still field a rapid light comp. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see dispersed damage and especially rapid light things as, in particular, your your smaller end, if you're thinking in the sense of a control comp, your smaller end of your tackle frigates or your screeners, they're not going to be optimal anymore. You're not going to get your top pick. You're going to get your top pick and maybe your second best. Awesome. The final is going to be pretty crazy too with the rule that you can't bring any ship that you want to match with. So, like, we're going to see, like, actually have, like, a beam zealots and dual tank vagabonds actually be a, a viable final comp now. I wouldn't hold your breath on the dual tank vagabonds, but uh, let's let's move our way over to shoutouts. Alec, you got one for us. No, shoutouts at the end? Uh, Sorry, yeah. post highlights, but you can shout out because you missed it. Uh, I will give a shout out to JC Anderson, a Noir veteran who just came back to the game recently and joined Capitalist Army. He's going to be flying with us for a little while. It's really good to see him. And uh, yeah, just really looking forward to catching up with him and going getting some kills. And your host highlight while we're at it. Oh, shit. Um, my host highlight, I guess, is a little on the boring side. Um, 
I had to insert a staging Astro House into the drone lands, and uh, it was quite a dangerous journey. It would have been like 35 null jumps or something like that, part of it through Insmother and who knows how many camps and try and all these guys roaming around. But I just decided uh, at the just randomly, oh, why don't I check Eve Scout? And sure enough, there was a Thera entrance about nine jumps from Jita that landed me about nine jumps from our staging system. So I just did that, cut the trip in half, got it in safely, and felt really good about myself for thinking of doing that. Nice. The small things in Eve are sometimes like the best things that can happen. Yeah, My shout thing out to is... Johnny Splunk for, uh, for pathing that route for me. My host highlight is also a small thing. One of the small things that I like to do in EVE is make other people's EVE experience not that fun. At least people who I'm paid to shoot. And in this particular instance, MC is deployed down to Aquarius after a short stint in Tin Fountain, and we had a toasting timer which we were blueballing, and but I was out there anyway, and I was just there in my Falcon, because I was out there from a previous op, it was an armor Falcon, didn't feel like jumping it back home, so I just safe logged. So I logged back in for this timer, and it's for a renter's iHub, which means that, or not necessarily renter's QFC, I'm not really sure how the Imperium tries to swing what the Quarius Fight Club is or was anymore. The residents of Quarius had to defensively entosis this thing. And what they had was just one dude from this entire alliance who showed up to the timer. He initially brought out a tower, and so I just take my falcon, warp into his node at 100, and jab him. And he's like, well, starts the thing back up again. And I come back, I set an alarm on my phone, and I come back five minutes later, so I know that his next entosis cycle has started, he's starting the warm-up again, and jam him again. And at this point, he's like, okay, I'm sick of this. So he goes off, and he reships to a drake and comes back. And the second time that I go in to jam this Talwar, it, I also put my drones out, because I'm like, he's he's stuck, tethered to this um, node. There is no way he can warp off. I've only got two warriors, but maybe I stand a chance of getting a nice kill mail here in my Falcon. And decloaks next to him three Tangus, a Rapier, and a Loki. So of course I boogie out of there. I'm a falcon. I know how to fly the ship. So I was at range and I could get away. They didn't tackle me. So he goes reships to his drake and now I'm on alert. I'm like, okay, not only is, could this alliance only bring out one dude to entosis this timer and I'm making his life miserable right now, but also he has recruited some random low sec elite PVPers to guard him in cloaky ships. So I'm not only wasting this guy's time, I am wasting a whole entire T3 fleet's fine. This is fantastic. So I start coming in from various different angles at range and just continuously jamming this guy. And every single time I do, his Tangu fleet decloaks, tries to catch me. I warp off. It's beautiful. In the meantime, I bring my alt over in a phantasm with an entosis link fit and go to a random system, like a, a pocket system, a dead-end system in there in the constellation, and start entosising nodes. Because nobody lives in this space, so nobody's in there to see it. And so while he's struggling to make progress on his one node, I am hostile entosising other ones, reversing any progress he makes. Oh my god. Eventually they find me, they force out my phantasm, because they bring 
in addition to the three Tangus, Rapier, and Loki, they bring three more Tangus, an Arazu, and a Proteus. So it's like, okay, yeah, alright, I gotta drop the Phantasm here, it's gonna die. So I, I safe log it somewhere else in the pocket, and then continue to just harass this guy for hours as he tries to finish this timer. It was, it was wonderful. They were complaining about me cloaking up in local, complaining about ECM, the tears were flowing, and ugh, every single time I had six Tangus, a Rapier, a Loki, and a Razu decloaked on a grid, and my Falcon moonwalks out, it's a beautiful experience to have. I'm gonna stop hogging our time. Brisk, how about your host highlight? Well, I want to throw a shout out, I think, and it's been deployed now for about three weeks up in Pure Blind, and the fights we've been having have just been phenomenal. Um, I've, we've really had a good time fighting GOTG up here. Uh, I had a great time yesterday fighting MC. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. We should have some fun together. Uh, Artemis, you guys never, never stop bringing the fights, which we appreciate. Uh, it, it seems much better than, than when we were in Syndicate. Uh, a lot of good fights on both sides. And I also want to throw a shout out to the French Connection. Um, if you guys aren't, if you guys don't know these guys, and I, I, I wouldn't expect anybody outside of, of Pure Blind really to know, these guys bring it. They are great. Uh, they have made the pipe between XTAC 7 and, and KU where we have our, our little push in from Cloud Ring. Uh, it is, it is one of the most dangerous in the game. You can't get through there unless you're an interceptor. So, we're having a lot of fun fighting those guys. They always come out. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very happy with, with the content up here, and, and thanks for everybody for, for uh, coming out fighting and having a good time. Awesome. Ace? The Bastion as well has been deployed up north, um, decent ways away from home. Uh, however, I would like to uh, uh, kind of highlight my guy's success. Um, we actually recently had an article in INN about kind of our corp history and the more i the more i look at it the uh the more i'm impressed with them um and just kind of our growth over the last year where we went from you know being a high sec group and and living in the c2 as well to you know now we're um one of the larger uh super cap titan builders in delve and it really says a lot about how how the situation's been laid out in Delve and the conditions for success for even a small group. Um, you know, and I, I really appreciate, you know, working with my guys on a day-to-day -day basis. It's, it's pretty awesome. So Tony, close us out. Yeah, I'd just like to give a shout out to uh, Plus 10 Gaming. I'm looking forward to uh, casting the AT with them as well as uh, streamfleet.org. They've uh, recently, uh, I think, gone live with their website. I think it's, the website's been up for a while, but they're now sort of in the release stage. And they've got, like, this great, like, content providers directory where you can, like, if you're looking for, like, Eve streams, you can search based on a number of categories and you can just, like, click on a streamer and, like, instantly see all, like, their in-game channels and, you know, all their social media and stuff. So it's super cool. So I'd like to just shout out streamfleet.org. Really quickly... I feel like we're playing reruns. We're on highlights here. What's your highlights, <laughs> Antonia? <laughs> oh, sorry. My my highlight, I guess, is uh, like the, uh, just having a lot of fun. Actually, I, I I really hate PVE personally in Eve. Like it's something that I get bored of within an hour. I've actually had like a ton of fun running the Abyssal side. So they're actually like a lot more fun than I expected them to be. Just because, like, you actually have to use your brain a lot more. And you have to improv improvise and think on your feet, and 
like PVE and Eve has been missing that for such a long time. So um, I've had a, a blast playing the Abyssal Sides on Singularity, and I'm looking forward to play them on the on release on Tuesday. I think just about everyone is hyped for the release on Tuesday. Alec, give us the outro. That's it, guys. Head to declarationsboard.com to participate in our show poll. Leave a comment on this episode. As usual, shilling hard. The capitalist army is recruiting. We picked up two people yesterday, which has been great. Uh, we picked up another XNOR guy prior to that. We could use a few more good capitalists. Join capitalist chat in-game to uh, get more info, get our Discord link. Uh, come hang out with us, see if it might be a good fit for you. Wherever you're at, good hunting listeners. <laughs>